Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Thank you, Dawn, for the songs. Things going on, Kids Zone, pray about that. Potter, pray about that. We've got some new Bibles to give away. We didn't talk about those this morning, so. Anyway, keep fighting out there. We've been talking about fighting back, right? We've been talking about uh, completing your bucket list. All right, I want you to do that. Last week was finding the narrow gate, staying on the narrow way. Today we're going to talk a little bit about, as you can see, he who overcomes, but where, what is all this going to give us? I think... Uh, any of these discussions, if you want to call them about heaven, new heavens, and a new earth, our inheritance are inadequate as described in Scripture. I don't think that the words on the page can adequately tell what it's going to be like. I just really don't. But we're going to try here. And we want you to open up your heart and your mind, try to grasp what God is wanting to give us. And it's what he's wanted the human race to have from the beginning, even in the Garden of Eden. And it was spoiled by the devil and by our own weakness. You know, we wanted to be God. We wanted to follow our own way. Eve looked at the fruit. You know, so it looks, looks beautiful, good to eat, and wow, it's going to make me wise to be like God, and that's something I want. And uh, you know what? We can't be God. And we found out what it's like to try to have the place of God. We can't handle it. We fall, we fail. And we have the knowledge of good and evil. It just doesn't work for us, does it? So, Revelation 21. I want to read the first seven verses. You know, I have time to get into all the, the troubles revealed here in Revelation about the tribulation, the persecution, everything that was going to come, as even said in the beginning of the book, upon the whole earth. Not just persecution for the church, but the whole earth is going to experience chaos and calamity. But God is with his people and throughout Revelation he keeps telling them and assuring them, I got you. I know who you are. Don't worry. Okay? And here toward the end we get some of this glimpse of God's blessing for his people that remain strong and overcome. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, he will dwell among them, 
and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. You know, that reading of that ought to give you at least a few goosebumps. It really should. It does me. Give you a little chill. That's incredible stuff. What gets you excited? I don't know what gets you excited. Final Four, Super Bowl, new recipe, get to go to a movie, anniversary, new baby on the way, these great things. But we as Christians really need to get excited about these kinds of things. We need to be thrilled by the promises of God to us. Because this is reality and this is where we are going. And this is going to top it all. It's going to top everything. You know, your greatest day you ever thought you had on this earth, this is going to top it 10,000 times over and beyond that. We have to see that. When our Gabriel crossed over, and I believe this was a God thing, we found a plaque, which we have in our living room, with this verse of scripture on it. I've never seen it anywhere else before, later. And it gives us comfort to know that this is God's promise to him and to every one of us. In here, and I'm going to look at verse 7, he who overcomes will inherit these things, some translations say all things, and I will be his God and he will be my son. There's a three-part promise in that verse. That's just incredible. That's what we want to look at. Let's break this verse down. He who overcomes. The book of Revelation is about overcoming, even as Don was, was telling us there earlier. In the early part of the book, chapters 2 and 3, when there are are the letters to each of the seven churches. 
In each one of those, there is the phrase that almost identical to him who overcomes, and there's a promise given. In a white stone, a new name, white robes, you can sit with Jesus on his throne. All of these things, and as I pointed out when we were studying through there, that's a promise made to, to anybody who overcomes. That not, that's not just the promise made to that particular church. That's for anybody who overcomes. It's all the same thing. All the great blessings that God is going to give, they all come to all those who overcome. So it's about overcoming. Life is about overcoming, isn't it? John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame. He was not taken in by the world, by all its, its baubles, its bangles. And here we're talking about the world system of things, okay, not about the creation, all right, about the way the world does things. Their emphasis on power and money and, you know, fun and all that. Jesus wasn't taken in by it. He overcame all that. The world that Satan rules, the world that is corrupted by sinners, Every type of evil and debauchery, lies, murder, greed, whatever. It's all part of the world. And Jesus overcame it for us, and we are challenged to overcome it on our own part with his help. We are to overcome the world. Our lives are about overcoming. Let's go to Romans 8. Favorite chapter of many folks. There's a lot in here about overcoming. 35 to 37. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? All right, now notice then what Paul says. Will tribulation... Not only is it about tribulation separating us from the love of Christ, that's something we have to overcome to hold on to the love of Christ. Distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. You know, he's, saying, he's really saying those things could separate us from the love of Christ unless we overcome them, unless we hold fast through them. Okay? Now, God will always love us. There's not any doubt about that. But what he's saying, talking about is staying within that love of Christ as we serve him. Just as is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You see, in all these things. The tribulation, the distress, the persecution, and whatever, da-da-da-da-da, we overcome through him. That's the challenge. Not separate us from the love of God. So life is about overcoming. We fight the same world system, the same devil, the same foes, 
the same principalities and powers, the powers of darkness in the heavenly places that Jesus did, don't we? We fight the exact same foes and through him we can conquer them and we're challenged to conquer them and overcome and not to be drawn away or drawn aside and begin to love the world and do things the way of the world and to follow the world. We win through the power of Christ. We win through the word of God, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. He gives us more than enough to conquer. Through him, we can overcome and we will overcome with his help. So life is about overcoming. Back to 21.7. He overcomes. All right. To get this, you have to overcome. You have to be strong with Christ and overcome the world and remain faithful. Serve him. Work for him. Seek him. Help others overcome. We've talked about that. He overcomes will inherit these things. There's the first promise. That's a promise from God. If you overcome, you will inherit these things. The point would be, if you don't overcome, you don't get these things. Okay? You don't get them. He overcomes, will inherit these things, or as I said, New King James has all things. There is a reward, a gift, an inheritance that God himself is promising to us, which is achieved with God's help, mind you. It's his gift, but he's helping us to get it. And it's not for some perfect record that we have achieved in this life. Okay, It's not for attaining to some level of spirituality or whatever, for knocking 10,000 doors or anything like that. That's not what this is for. It's for trusting in the grace of God in Christ and for persevering in faithful obedience and continuing to testify to others about the gospel. Being faithful. Persevering. Not being drawn aside by the world. Seeking him first. What is the reward? He says all things are these things. And he's just talked about some of those things right up above there that we read earlier. Well, life eternal. We, we use that phrase over and over again, and it is eternal life. But what does that mean? Just, you just live forever? Where will you live? With whom you, will you live? What will it be like? We have anything to do? You know, all these are kind of questions that sometimes the scripture hints at. We don't have a full revelation. Like I said, I think this is all inadequate because God is trying to describe this in terms of what we understand. But I think there are things in that new heaven and new earth we, will, we can't comprehend that he's going to give us because it's a different world. We're going to be in a spiritual body as we read in 1 Corinthians. It's going to be different. I make all things new. We just read that, right? I make all things new. 
So he's just trying to get us to see in our own thoughts what would be really good. Well, these would be really good. Life eternal, never, no death. Death is destroyed. No tears, you know. No more trips uh, to uh, a doctor's office. No more bad doctor's reports. No going to the hospital. All right. No trouble with family. No fighting with anybody. No calls to go to a funeral home. None of that. All this need for any kind of anxiety is, is gone. It's gone. It won't be there. No tears. We sing that song, No Tears in Heaven. There will be justice and vindication, as we read in the book of Revelation, that all of us who have served the Lord, and sometimes, you know, the the world makes fun, says, what are you doing all this for? You know, are you, you're not any better off than we are. In fact, I got more stuff than you do. I'm having more fun than you are. You know, why do you, why do you keep living this way? Why don't you just, you know, live like me? And of course, you're reading. I continue to get a uh, little magazine uh, monthly about those who are persecuted in foreign countries and places where they have to smuggle in Bibles and those who are caught smuggling, you know, they're put in prison. Places exist like that. A lot of countries on the earth right now. People do have it hard, difficult, sometimes losing their lives, families separated because they're trying to serve the Lord Jesus. So that exists. But there will be vindication for all of us who serve the Lord. You know, when the heavens open and he comes down and he says, this, these are mine, these are my kids, these are my children, these are my people, I'm taking them to be with me, there's vindication. It was worth it. This is why, this is why I lived the way I lived. This is why I did what I did, and this is why I didn't do that stuff, and that's why I did these things. That's why I sacrificed and gave and worked and served and loved. That's why I continually looked at myself from time to time and said, you know, Jeff, where do you need to change? Where's your weaknesses and faults? Lord, show me where I need to do better. We'll be vindicated. God's justice will be served. And we'll have their the joy and peace which often escapes us in this life. I know every one of us, we're told, be anxious for nothing. I know that. We read that in scriptures in more, more than one place. But the anxiety creeps in, doesn't it? Because we have kids. We have grandkids. That's the first part, right? And sometimes there's other things. We start thinking about our job, our retirement, you know, my health and all this. It's just part of being human. We have some concerns. And we keep fighting them back. We keep trusting the Lord. But, you know, there's always something there in the back of our head, isn't there? In the back of our mind, what if this and what if that? We try to alleviate it by trusting the Lord, but it's there. But in this new heavens and new earth, guess what? There's nothing back there in the back of your head. Nothing to be concerned about. You could be at peace. 
and be filled with the joy of the Lord. Let's go back to Romans 8 again. 16 and 17 this time. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, all right, on this level now. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may, we may also be glorified with him. You see, Christ paved the way. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He is the way, right? So he paved the way for us, and he is, is the way to live. And so he's going to stand to inherit all things, and we're going to share in that. Whatever he gets, we get. That's what we're told. Whatever Christ Jesus is going to get as an inheritance from his Father, we get it too. We share in that. Now, what kind of a promise is that? Can you imagine that? The lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the promise made in Genesis, the one who would come to bruise the serpent's head, we are going to inherit with him whatever he gets in eternity. That's a promise that, like I said, I cannot understand, except by God's grace and love, why he would do that for us sinners. And secondly, what that will be. You think he's going to shortchange his son? You think he's going to be cheap on his inheritance to his son? I don't think so. He's going to lavish on him things, stuff, position, power, whatever, and we get to share. I can't imagine. Did that thrill you? This is why, we, this is why one of the reasons we serve the Lord. It isn't just about escaping the lake of fire. It's about the blessing of serving this kind of God who wants to give and give and give. And then, you know, there in that Romans 8, we're going to be glorified somehow with him. I don't even know what to say to that. Seriously, I do not know what to say to that. But we will be glorified with him. If you'd like to share with me your thoughts on that, I'd love to hear it. It's a promise. It's part of our inheritance. We'll be in glory with him. Just for persevering and serving and loving him. Okay. Back to Revelation 21.7, the second part of this promise. I will be his God. This isn't to say that God isn't God now and he's not your God now if you're serving him because that's not true. But what this indicates is a more personal and closer fellowship and relationship. 
under the, you know, we read in the scripture, under the shelter of his wing and under the, the canopy of his tabernacle. That God will specially take care of you. He, he'll, I'll be his God. Listen to what God is saying. I will be his God. You remember Jacob? When he was on the run, after he deceived his dad, stole the inheritance and the birthright from Esau, and he came to that place and he had the, the ladder with the angels going up and down. And he was overwhelmed and he said, you know, here at this time, God, you know, he was, he was not a real follower of God. Not until he came back from his whole ordeal with Laban. But he said, surely God must be in this place because he saw this vision of these angels. And there he kind of made a, a promise to God, kind of a challenge to God. And it's a wonder, you know, God even kept Jacob going because Jacob said, you know, if you would be with me now when I go uh, to my uh, cousin's place here, or my, my uncle's place, and uh, bring me back safely and bless me and all that. And he says, then, uh, then I'll take you as my God. Remember that? that, that you, you prove yourself to me that you're a real God and you'll take care of me. And then I will serve you. And it's a wonder God just didn't, you know, zap him right there. But he didn't. God is, you know, was using Jacob to teach us all a lesson. But here the, this promise is made, I will be his God. Special relationship. Turn back to 2 Corinthians. I looked at this whole, whole verse. I will be his God and he will be my son. I want to read this from 2 Corinthians 6, 16 to 18, where Paul is quoting from various sources in the Old Testament. All right? Paul is quoting. He says here, Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. And here he begins his quotes. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And I looked up those various scriptures from which Paul drew that. And you know where they came from? They came, first of all, from the promise that was made to Israel when they were at Mount Sinai during the Exodus. Where God was saying, I'll be your God. If you follow me, I'll be your God and I'll take care of you. So it came right there, part of the promise made to Israel. It came from the promise made to Israel in Leviticus. If they would faithfully keep God's word, he would be their God and take care of them. It comes partially from the promise made to David when he was assured by God that there would always be one of his descendants sitting on his throne. And, of course, that was ultimately fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And I find it interesting 
if you look there in Revelation, it's either two or three, the promise made to one of those churches he overcomes. Jesus said, I will allow him to sit with me on my throne, which is, of course, the throne of David, isn't it? Doesn't that give you chills? I don't know how that's going to work, but it's true. It's also from the promise made to Israel in Ezekiel about a future time in which God would make a covenant of peace with them and he would dwell with them forever. So what we have here is this is just a promise that God has made to his people throughout the ages. I want to be your God. If you let me be your God, you'll be my sons and my daughters and I will take care of you. I will bless you like you never could dream. That's what this is. It's going to be fulfilled in the hereafter. So God wants to be your God and be a father to you. Incredible stuff. I made a little note here. You know, People throw around the expression, they, I think they text it all the time, and maybe you do too, OMG, right? OMG this and OMG that. And I don't think that's right. I think that's a misuse of God. But if you want to use OMG, you can use it right now for this. Oh, my God, what are you wanting to give me? Seriously, talking about God, not just an expression, but, oh, my God, what are you wanting to give me? I will be your God. And then as he goes on to say, he will be my son. That's part three of the promise. Yes, we're sons of God now. Yes, we're children of God now, but, you know, there's, it's kind of iffy because we can still fail, can't we? We can still fall from grace. We can still be turned aside to the world, get back, you know, get on that broad way. God's trying to hold us. He's doing what he can, but we have to cooperate. We have to work hard. We have to fight, right? But here it's assured. He will be my son. This represents a deeper fulfillment of the father and child relationship. You can just picture, you know, Jesus there in the John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We all love this passage. And whether it's the mansions or the room in God's house, you know, I'm going to prepare a place for you where you can be, I can be also. You can just picture here, God is saying, as my son, you're my son. I want you to come on in. Take a room in my house. I want you to eat at my table every night. I want you to enjoy conversation around the fireplace every evening. When you go to bed at night, don't want you to have to worry about anything. Sleep well. 
have breakfast for you in the morning. We can talk again. Your favorite coffee or tea, whatever. This is the kind of thing God is promising. As I said, I think scripture is inadequate to describe the blessings. But this is, this is the point. He is God. He will be my son. This is the love of God blossoming, blossoming in all its glory. When he will make his creatures, his Adam, his sinful mankind, into his sons. Never, never to be taken out of his hand. Romans 9, 25. This is from Hosea. This is everywhere. These promises are everywhere. And again, we see the consistency of the scripture and understand is written by one God, one God with one basic theme. I'm your God. I want you to be my children. I make these promises to you if you'll follow me. Romans 9.25, as he also, as he says also in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Wrap your mind, your heart, and your soul around that. I pray I've been able to give something of a picture here about what God has in store for those who overcome. Why we tread these, the path we do. The self-denial, self-sacrifice, giving, loving our enemies, helping others, and so forth and so on. The promise, the promises are great. He will inherit all things I will be his God. He will be my son. Is this for you right now? Do you have that hope? It's a real hope. Do you have it? I mean sincerely. Do you have this hope? Is this why you live the life you do? I pray it is. If it's not, if it's not, you won't receive these things. You won't receive them. You'll never see it. That would be sad. Today we can assist you in your serving the Lord in your obedience to the gospel, in your returning to him, in your changing the way you're living, even if you are a Christian and understanding you haven't really been dedicated or devoted the way you should be. So we're here to help you with that obedience. Dawn's going to lead us if you want to Respond this morning. Please come while we stand and sing.